Hello, and welcome back to The Food Podcast, a show where personal stories are shared through the lens of food. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. So here we go. We'll begin with a conversation with Julie Van Rosendahl, a Canadian food journalist, a cookbook author, and a champion of home cooks. But before we dive in, I want to say that it's hard to start new things. I've made podcast episodes before, lots of them, but then I took some time off, days, weeks, then months, and a year, and everyone I understand needs a break from creative endeavors from time to time. But the secret is to pay attention to when it's time to gear back up again. Notice the pull of curiosity. But following curiosity, catching the wave, dropping into the powder, it's challenging. Sometimes it feels like double dutch. It's 1983, maybe 84, and I'm in the concrete schoolyard of Sir Charles Tupper Elementary School. Two girls, probably Laura and Stephanie, are holding the ends of two skipping ropes and are turning them in opposite directions. Girls are lined up on one side, waiting for their turn to hop in. They hold their hands up, palms out, in front of their torsos, moving them in gentle, vertical circles, trying to mimic the rhythm of the ropes. One, two, three. I remember the leap, a rush of adrenaline, the duck of the head, the elation that you're in. That's what writing is like. Mid-story, the world around you fades away, and it's just the ropes, a rhythmical double helix keeping the beat. You just have to jump. You have to move forward. Once I'm in, I look for rocks in the river. I jump to that one and then the next until I'm across. My sister Sally says her rocks are treats throughout the day. She will write a difficult email and then have coffee and chocolate. She'll endure a long meeting, then crack open her lunch, finish a presentation, then sit down with tea and more chocolate. Jump, jump jump and just like that the day is a series of treats and then she's on her orange dutch bicycle cruising home recipes are also stones in the river they hold your hand and guide you across sometimes when i'm procrastinating when i should be jumping i make a cake instead i take out a pan i rub it with butter and just like that i'm moving forward following an idea in my head. Baking is helpful this way. It pulls you ahead towards something good, even when life can feel hard, especially after these past few years. On this particular day, I was thinking about Julie. I don't know her in real life, but she seems like a source of light on social media. Someone who knows how to move forward with a little whimsy and purpose and lightness. So I patched her in to meet her properly and see how she's been navigating life lately. Because when you're passionate about people and the community around you, life can be contentious, even when your job is seemingly just about testing muffin recipes. We all love muffins, don't get me wrong. Julie wakes up to the song Echo Beach Every Morning by the band Martha and the Muffins. 
Last winter, I noticed that Julie was writing poetry, reactionary poetry, and posting it on Instagram. The words were scattered across the rectangle screen, random and falling. Some call it redacted poetry or eraser poetry. It's not as harsh as a redacted legal document. There are no black marker scratches over what was once there, only white space. The poem that stood out for me was posted by Julie in January of 22. There were pandemic protests happening across the country, truck convoys, people demonstrating, and general havoc in her neighborhood, in her city of Calgary, in various pockets across Canada. And as what often happens with protests, people with other agendas joined in, and the protests turned into anti-everything protests. I'm very supportive of the right to protest, but, uh, you know, the... The things that have been going on in Calgary and across Canada have just been horrible, horrible, you know, um, the, just, you know, harassing people on the street and and yelling, you know, racial and homophobic slurs at people and, and messing with other businesses, blocking entrances, uh, calling Alberta Health Services and making false reports, you know, um, fake restaurant reservations and fake restaurant orders and just sort of just sort of this creating chaos, right, which we see happening across Canada. Julie weighed in and the hate messages started pouring in. So I, I was often the target in uh, the social media feeds. I knew when I was in the feed because I would get this sort of wave of, of hate mail. And, uh, and so I you know, early on, I, I took a message and I did some blackout poetry and turned it into a positive poem. And then I, I started doing that with, with more and more. Right. And it was, it was sort of therapeutic. It was like a word puzzle and, uh, and a way of dealing with that, those kinds of messages. My favorite. You are human and you need cake. <laughs> That's my kind of poetry. Julie is loved. You can tell by the comments on her feed. Messages like, incredible, Julie, your heart and talent are a gift to Calgary. That is a truly inspirational story and photo. You rock, but you already know this. You're a force. You're a class act. I made the lemons to lemonade analogy, but so did countless others. It was a Michelle Obama move. When they go low, you go high. Or a Leonard Cohen moment singing about the importance of cracks so the light can get in. It takes time to see the value in the cracks in life, and it takes experience and curiosity and playfulness. I bet Julie has used icing to glue a broken cake back together. I know she has. I have. Cake is always the answer. When you, you bake, you tend to bake f with other people in mind. You know? Like when you're making dinner, it's uh, it's often to sort of, you know, feed yourself or your family. And it's sort of a, a more practical. And then when you bake, I mean, it's, I feel like it's more therapeutic. I like cooking too. You know, people say, are you a cook or a baker? I'm both. So I, but when we bake, when we make cookies, when we make cakes and pies, it's often 
with to share, right? It's with other people in mind. And sharing lifts us out of ourselves. Julie's been teaching free Zoom cooking classes to kids on Saturdays. It began during lockdown when it was minus 30 outside in Calgary and kids were stuck inside all day. Anyone can join. The Zoom password is love. And I think looking to the people around us in our own communities is the way uh, forward, the way that we can, if we all took care of the people around us, we can get through this. We can't take care of everybody. We can't fix, you know, the the big um, wars and disasters. I mean, we can do what we can, but if we pay attention to the people around us, and and especially when it comes to the day to day things like like food and ensuring people are um, feel safe and are fed. I had a a little girl in one of my classes who had a superhero costume on and she said, okay, after we're done, I have to go to the park and do my job. And I said, what's your job? And she said, I go to the park and I walk around and I make people smile. And I was like, oh, like that's the key, right? Like that is it. If we all did that, you know, that it would be okay. Julie makes everything from fresh pasta to giant cinnamon rolls to an all-day croissant camp with her students. It involves a lot of butter. Julie is a butter specialist. I was noticing as a recipe writer, when I say butter at room temperature, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be soft enough to whip, was firm enough at room temperature to use in pie pastry, which was odd. And what followed was later called Buttergate an investigative report on the state of butter here in Canada. It began with curiosity and this tweet of Julie's. Something is up with our butter supply, and I'm going to get to the bottom of it. Have you noticed it's no longer soft at room temperature? It's watery, rubbery? That tweet turned into a viral conversation around the policies and practices of Canada's tariff rate quotes changes in feeding and farming practices to modify fatty acid profiles of bovine milk to boost yields. All of this from a block of butter sitting there hard on her kitchen counter. This is what baking can do. It takes us places. And when it involves croissants and cake, I listen. Anyway, sometimes teenagers joined in on the cooking classes too. So she'd adjust. There's a lot of teenagers in there. And I thought, you know, for the kids who are sort of looking for something a bit more advanced, we do an all day croissant camp. And so we got together in the morning and we made the dough. And then we, you know, sort of over the course of the day, we would reconvene each hour and do the, you know, fold and roll and fold and roll. And then the end of the day, we shaped them and then proofed them overnight in the fridge. And the parents were blown away, right? They're like, my kid made laminated dough. They made croissants, you know? Laminated dough refers to the process of folding butter into dough many times to create thin layers of butter stacked between layers of dough. The housing world adopted this word. Laminated floors are made of thin layers of synthetic flooring fused together. It's close, but so very different. Butter needs to be a specific temperature for this process to work. It's actually, you know, the, when it's sort of firm but malleable, that's what you're going for because you want to be able to roll out your butter plaque. Your butter plaque is the slab of butter that sort of goes into the envelope, the package of dough, and you roll it and then you fold it and you roll it. So you want it to be this, this temperature that's like putty so you can roll it without it cracking, but it's not so soft that it squishes out the sides. When making cakes, however, 
Butter can be a little softer, about 18 degrees, cooler than you think. When it's room temperature, the butter can trap more air during the beating process. When the batter goes into the oven, the air trapped inside the butter expands. This is what creates fluffiness in a cake. But Julie will be the first to say, don't worry too much about this stuff or that salt thing either. Uh, often unsalted butter is called for, and it's so that you can control the amount of salt in your recipe. But we're going to add salt anyway. So my thinking is always, if people have salted butter at home, it's kind of the most common. I don't like sending people to the grocery store for unsalted. Um, but, you know, either, however, however you, you know, however you roll. Just get baking. It might feel like science, but it's really just about sharing. When we spoke in the spring, Julie was posting images of her rhubarb plants pushing through the soil and unfurling in the sun. But Julie says that with spring comes conflicting feelings about body, food, and diet. It's spring right now, and things are warming up, and, and you know, the, and the general sense is relief, right? And it's so ingrained in me to, to feel dread in the spring. This sense of of dread because it signaled the the coming of summer and when all the you know all the kids would wear shorts and tank tops and swimsuits and I couldn't hide underneath my you know big sweaters anymore and and it's so deeply ingrained that I I have to to fight against it every spring I just get this sense of dread but I did you know I did manage to sort of break free of that, uh, you know, the association of guilt with, with certain foods. And, and that's a common thing. It's, you know, everybody knows how often guilt and sin and, you know, sinful indulgences and guilty pleasures and cheating, you know, like all those words that are so much a part of our vernacular around food. We all know them. They're in advertising. They're in, you know, and and the and the the weight loss slash diet slash wellness industry that sort of relies on the idea of of personal responsibility, you know, and and self control and 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 you blaming yourself for not being, you know, this ideal, and uh, and uh, and really, I mean, we all we all we all have different bodies. We feel things differently. We feel hunger differently. We experience satiety. We experience taste differently. But it's true. I've always sort of had this struggle. I love food. I've always wanted to work in food. I'm so interested in food. Food makes people happy. You know, it connects people. And that's, you know, my biggest, the best thing about life is personal connection, right? Like that's just the best thing. I love feeding people. I love, I love everything about food. I love eating it. I love sharing it. I love cooking for people. Uh, I love eating around a table with people. I love when other people cook for me. It's all what I'm interested in. And so there has been that, that struggle between my personal, you know, my, my personal issues with food and not, not eating too much of it. And, and that love of, of food and feeding people. Julie posts about this stuff. This is why she connects with people. She's real. I mean, it doesn't help anyone for me to keep it to myself. And I, I don't expect everyone to share everything about their lives, but 
I, you know, there is a lot about me that, um, that people don't know. And, uh, and so, and, and I have been a wide range of sizes over my life. I, you know, I was 330 pounds. My scale only went up to 330. So it might've been more than that. Uh, and, you know, and then I, I went through this, uh, two years of, um, you know, restrictive eating, but not eliminating anything and, and exercising like crazy. And, and I lost 165 pounds. Julie told me earlier in the conversation that she has scars from losing all that weight and nerve damage from the scar removal and stretch marks and how at some point at a New Year's Eve party in 1998, she looked in a bathroom mirror and just let the struggle go. The shame and the self-flagellation around eating things like cake. It's interesting to me how how different the world has treated me over the course of my life as my size sort of changes and, and how people respond to me, just those sort of um, the, the energy from people. Uh, and then how how my body feels, how I experience hunger is one of the most interesting things. When she was young, she was ravenous all the time. When she ate, the surface of my skin, my whole body felt it. And it was like this calming, everything's going to be okay. Like just so all encompassing. And now my hunger feels different. Different than when she was pregnant. Different than when she weighed 165 pounds more. Different from some of her friends who think of food as fuel. Because she still delights in food. We all experience food differently, she says but we can feel delight in eating, especially when it's shared, when it's special, when it's cake. That time of year when the rhubarb is up, Julie makes the Lunar Rhubarb Cake from Canadian Living Magazine. It's like a, a a yellow cake with chopped rhubarb that kind of sinks down into the surface. It looks like the, the lunar surface. I mean, cake, right? Who doesn't want cake? You are human and you need cake. Thanks to Julie Van Rosendahl for her curiosity and her honesty and her love of sharing food. You can find Julie on Instagram at Dinner with Julie or to access her recipes, writing and cookbooks, visit dinnerwithjulie.com. This new series is edited by Abby Circatella. Our theme song is Jen Grant's One More Night. Thanks for listening to The Food Podcast. I'm Lindsay Cameron Wilson. Wilson.